The sermon title today is Judge Not. Poor Eric got judged today. Y'all were judging him. And we're going to read Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6 together. So open your Bibles to Matthew 7, read verses 1 through 6. Okay. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word, for the reading of your word and the teaching of your word. I pray you'd bless us now as we get into this and teach us about judging. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this first verse, judge not that you be not judged, it might be the most well-known and favorite verse of every non-believer ever. They love quoting this verse to Christians. They love thinking that it suggests that you as a Christian should not be able to say at all what's right or wrong. You shouldn't be able to call anything sin. You can't have any opinion about whether something's right or wrong. Who are you to judge? Judge not, the Bible says. But is that a fair understanding of what this verse means? I think not, and all you have to do is remember the context of this whole passage. We're in the Sermon on the Mount that started a couple chapters ago. We're still in it now, where Jesus is teaching over and over again about kingdom living, and He's very often comparing the right way with the wrong way. Now imagine if we were not supposed to ever judge anything, and just listen to some of the things that that Jesus was saying. Jesus said in Matthew 5.13, You're the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything. Hey, Jesus, don't judge. Or how about Matthew 5.19? Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Hey, Jesus, stop judging me. Or, but I say to you, everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Jesus, you're being pretty judgmental this morning. Or in Matthew 5, 28, I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman to lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Well, aren't you just high and mighty, Jesus? Everyone's looked at one point in time. You're telling me I've committed adultery in my heart. Stop judging me, Jesus. Matthew 5, 32, everyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. Now, Jesus, that's totally unfair. You have no idea how miserable I will work eventually. I'll keep going. Okay, Galatians 6 verse 1. Here's how we should act towards those that we love that are caught up in a sin that we want to confront them on. Brothers, 
If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he has nothing, he deceives himself. So notice it doesn't say, if anyone's caught in a transgression, judge not, stay silent. No, we should want to restore them. But look at the attitude here, the heart. It says, watch yourself. You're not better than this person. You could be caught up in the same sin. You could be caught up in the same temptation. This is very important to recognize. Each of us has the potential for a wide range of evils. We all do. We're not perfect. We're all a work in progress, but we are all in a position where we could be tempted and we must be careful when helping someone else that we're not also going to get caught up in that temptation. If you honestly search your heart, you're going to find some places where there's still darkness, where Christ still wants to shine His light, and we're still a work in progress. So when we catch someone else in sin... Don't be judgmental. Don't be self-righteous. You want to restore them. You want to bear their burden. You want to help them. Be gentle with them. And also be careful that you're not going to fall into temptation yourself as well. And it's also important because of how the world perceives us. The world knows something about our moral standards, but they often think we're very judgmental against the world. We don't want to be that way. We're not supposed to be judgmental or self-righteous. When we discuss sin and right and wrong, it should always be from the attitude of, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he seems like, I am nothing. I've got my own sins. I've got my own temptations that I deal with. I'm trying to follow God's word, and this is what it says, but I'm not perfect, and I'm not judging you. I'm just letting you know what the Word of God says. That should be our heart more than being judgmental. Okay, and so he says, don't be judged. Don't don't be this way. And why? And so in verse 2, he says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This might remind you of other places where Jesus says some similar things. For example, in the last chapter, he said, if you forgive others, you'll be forgiven. If you don't forgive them, you won't be forgiven. And it really all goes back to like reflecting our heart. If our heart has been touched by the grace of God, then we're going to be forgiving and we're not going to be judgmental or self-righteous. If we find that we're not forgiving or we're not gracious or we're self-righteous and judgmental, it shows something about our heart that's very dangerous. It could be even eternally dangerous. Because it might mean that even though you think you're saved, you've never actually really gotten saved. You've never fully understood the gospel, fully understood your sin, fully understood how much you were saved from, how deprived you were. Because if you realize that, and you know how freely Christ gave you forgiveness and restored you, then there's nothing left in you to be self-righteous or to be judgmental or to be ungracious to others. So if you are that way, if you're judging others and you're being judgmental and self-righteous, it might be a sign that you aren't saved. Very dangerous. Verse 3, Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take a speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? So here Jesus points to hypocrisy. 
The kind of hypocrisy of being judgmental. Notice, by the way, how much bigger is a log than a speck? Right. Have you ever noticed that there's one kind of sin that you struggle with more than others? Anybody notice that in your life? Is there a particular thing you happen to struggle with more than other things? There's like normally one thing. There's one stronger sin or temptation that tends to bite you more often than the others. Has that ever changed over time? Perhaps you found victory over a certain kind of sin, and then suddenly you find there's some other sin warring inside you. It's like now you're just taking on some other weakness. I believe God is gracious enough to not reveal all of our sins to us at one time. I think it might actually kill us. And I want you to think about this. What does the Bible say about light and darkness? Light exposes darkness. Light exposes sin. Light is often God's glory. Darkness is sin. And so there's all these verses about how you want to shine light on darkness and expose the sin. And think of how God is light. And think about how it says in the Bible, no one can see God and live. If you piece those things together, you get this image of God's glory is probably so bright that it might kill us if we saw all of it at once. And I think part of that is because that light would expose the the deep caverns where He has not yet cleaned us out of, He's not yet worked on us, and it would be too much at once to handle. It'd be overwhelming. I say this because whether you know it or not, there are still huge logs in your life that you have not yet dealt with. And in the person's life you're judging, they also have huge logs that are way bigger than what you're seeing. So the fault you're seeing in them is like a speck compared to what they've got going on deep inside. And if you're picking on that speck while you've got these huge logs of your own to deal with, That's what Jesus is talking about here. You've got some big things to deal with God about still. You're not done. You're a work in progress. And graciously and thankfully, God doesn't reveal all that to us at once. But don't make the mistake of thinking that, oh, I only have this struggle. That person's struggle is way worse than mine. Because we don't even know what all of our struggles are. God hasn't revealed all of our darkness He's given it to us a piece at a time to deal with, over, with Him. And this is what sanctification is. This is this lifelong process of becoming more like Christ. He will reveal to us an area of weakness to work on with us. And as we get stronger in Him and show victory, He might say, okay, you're doing good there. Now how about this thing? <laughs> and it was there all along, but graciously He wasn't revealing it to you because you couldn't handle it then. So we, we're never going to get to a point where we can be so self-righteous. I'm perfect. That guy's dealing with that thing. I don't deal with that. Well, you just wait. Maybe that's coming for you after you deal with your current sin. So keep things in perspective. There's this phrase, you know, whenever you point a finger at somebody else, there's three more coming back at you. By the way, Sam solved this problem. Sam knows how to point and not have this happen. How do you point without three fingers pointing back at you, Sam? <laughs> you point like this. <laughs> the dumb joke. But this is a good, this is the same thing as saying speck versus log. One finger versus three fingers. It's like, 
Is that why that point like this? Italians do this? Oh, see? So they, they wise up to it, you know? I'll tell you what, they, they in Rome, they've been going at this for a long time, those Romans. Roman Catholics, they've got it down. No. But um, it's the same idea. If you're pointing at somebody else, there's more things coming back at you. There's a, a log coming out of your own eyes. It's the same kind of idea. Avoid being judgmental, being self-righteous, because we're all a work in progress. And he says in verse 5, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly, take the speck out of your brother's eye. So the point there is, it's not that we have a log in our own eye, so don't help anybody. It's just fix this first and then help them. It's not that we're not supposed to ever help anybody. We're not supposed to back off and never call out sin and not ever want to help because we've got this log in our own eye. He's just saying, first Take care of yourself. You first get right with God. This is a great principle to live by. He doesn't say we shouldn't help anybody else, but you've got to help yourself first. You've got to first, before you confront anybody else, you've got to pray about your own heart, pray about where you're at with God, make sure you and God are good, that you've repented of whatever you need to in your life, that you're aware of, that you're praying, you're talking to God, that you're trying to fix yourself, and then you can confront somebody else. So back to the first verse in this section, if judge not meant we could never confront somebody else, then this verse wouldn't make any sense. Clearly, we're allowed to make a judgment call. We're allowed to discern right and wrong. We're allowed to discern evil and holiness. And we're allowed to help people in a way that isn't judgmental. And part of that is first considering where we fall short and getting right with God. Now, verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy, do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, this is a weird verse. I think we all kind of know what it means in general. We've all heard it before, maybe, and we hear about it in a general way. What's weird about it is how it fits into the context of this passage. So first, as far as what it means, the idea about giving something holy to dogs or pearls to pigs is that they don't recognize the value of what you're giving them. They have no understanding. It'd be a complete waste to give a pig pearls or to give something holy to dogs. They would have no idea what to do with it. So the main idea is clearly about giving something of value to someone who does not understand what that value is. And the way we mostly apply that is when you're sharing the mysteries of God with people and they don't really care to understand it. Now, this doesn't mean the gospel. We're, of course, supposed to share the gospel, but how many of you have gotten into conversations with people where all they're trying to do is prove you wrong on really fine, kind of complicated points of doctrine, and they don't really care for the answer. They're just trying to shut you down and shut you up and prove you wrong. That's when you stop. So, for example, here's a great example. You're sharing the gospel with somebody, and they say, Oh, yeah, but predestination, you think God just sends them to hell. How could a loving God send anybody to hell? Huh, prove that wrong. And in their whole attitude, you can tell they don't want the answer. They just, they're trying to prove you wrong. But that same question is different. If the person, what if the person said, now, I, I hear the gospel. I hear what you're saying, but I've got a real question for you. Like, how does hell work? How could a loving God send someone to hell? And if you can tell that they're legitimately asking that question, they're struggling, then you can begin to unpack that and share those mysteries about God, those hard things. So it's about kind of their, their attitude. But if they're coming at you and just throwing all these weird things, about, oh, you know, you really believe in a seven-day creation. What about evolution and the, the signs of this and that? You know, and they start like 
debating the different denominations and anger and the history of the church and the violence and the you know the all, all these things. And they, but they don't care for the answer. They're just trying to, to to snap at you and to shut you down. That's when Jesus is saying here, "Don't cast what's holy to dogs and pearls to swine." They clearly don't recognize the value of what you're saying. They don't really care about it, and it's a waste for you. But if instead in their heart, you can tell they actually are interested and they're just, they want to come to Christ, but they're having this, this hurdle or having this challenge. They don't understand. They can't reconcile a loving God with this thing. Then it's okay to share those things with them. But again, how does this whole thing fit into the context of helping someone with their faults? Well, it's my view this has to do with people who are unwilling to listen. They're hardened. Let's say you've caught somebody in a fault and you do the right thing. You first pray, you check your own heart, you examine yourself, you get right before God, and then you approach them and you approach them in a loving way, in a kind way, full of compassion, but they just completely shut you off. They don't want to hear it, and maybe they respond with, who are you to judge me? It's my life. At this point, don't continue to engage. That's what he's saying. You can pray for them, you can love them, but it would be useless to try to force them to change because only God can do that. You can't change someone's heart. And if you keep trying to throw truth at them when they really, really don't care, it's like casting pearls before pigs, and it won't work. Only God can make that change. So that's the message today. Wow, it is storming outside. We're all going to be in here for a long time until that ends. <laughs> so this is it. Just don't judge in the sense of don't be judgmental. Don't be self-righteous. But obviously, make judgment calls in your life. You're allowed to, and you're supposed to be knowing what's right and wrong, what's good and what's bad. And you're allowed to, and you're supposed to be helping your family in Christ understand those things. And that isn't judging in this way. That's not judgmental. That's not self-righteous. It's actually loving when you do it the right way, because we all want to grow closer to Christ and help others draw close to Him too. And also, as we enter into communion... It is a perfect time to examine yourself. 1 Corinthians 11.28 says, Let a person examine himself and then eat the bread and drink the cup. So as we enter into communion now, examine your heart. If you're thinking of somebody else that you need to confront on something, first analyze yourself, examine your heart, ask God to show you any sin that you need to repent of before approaching that person.